Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Joe, we are live because I screwed up the intro. <laughs> What's up, everybody? May 8th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast, a scrambled edition for yours truly. And according to Sean Rossap, he's already scrambled the intro. Oh, yeah. So a uh, lot to talk about. But thank you very much for everyone joining in. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe. You can follow Sean at Sean Rossap. Uh, when I say scrambled edition, it's because on Friday I was in Toronto. On Saturday I was in Tokyo. On Sunday I was in Tokyo. On Monday I was back in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, my brain... My body clock, everything is all messed up. I will do my best to make sure that I try and just keep everything on track without fading away like I did in almost one of the fights. And if you've watched it, you may know which fight that is, but I'll explain that to you uh, shortly. Sean Rossap, obviously uh, manning the helm at Fightful uh, online. He's the managing editor. So much to talk about. We'll talk about Ryzen. We'll talk about Ian McCall getting knocked out in nine seconds by uh, uh, Kyochi Horiguchi, which was absolutely insane. Uh, We're going to preview UFC 224. Uh, Obviously, Amanda Nunes. Is she the greatest woman of all time? We'll get to that for sure. Jacare versus Gaslam. Belfort versus Machida. Is this the end for Belfort? Win or lose? I don't think so but we'll talk about that. If you haven't heard, we all know Dustin Poirier has consistently tried to call out Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez recently came out and said, I'm not fighting until I get a new contract. So good for him. Lots of talk about George St. Pierre coming back, potentially against uh, Nate Diaz. Um, I might have news about that. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, Johnny Hendricks, former opponent of George St. Pierre, he thinks he's going back to welterweight. What do we think about it? We'll talk about it. Canadian champion in Invicta, Sarah Kaufman. She emerged victorious on May 4th. We'll get to that. And the UFC, unbeknownst to Sean Ross Sapp, who's now very happy about it, announced their new deal with ESPN and ESPN Plus. We will get into that. We'll break it down to see if we like it or not. Sean, what's going on? Well, the first thing I see is Vinny Fernando in the live chat saying, yay, more stuff to pay for, can't wait. The only thing you really need to pay for is FightfulSelect.com. 
I'm going to start adding a UFC rankings update to that that service. I'm quietly announcing it because I don't want to promote it and then forget to do it or become overwhelmed. But I'm going to add that for the MMA side of FightfulSelect.com. Head over to FightfulSelect.com. We have a lot of premium stuff. Of course, you can get all your exclusive news. None of that changes for Fightful.com. We're just adding a bunch of stuff on the FightfulSelect.com side. So please, guys, go give that a glance. It's worth it. I added a special Shawn Michaels versus Shelton Benjamin alternate commentary this week as a make good for posting one of the shows for free last week. So check that out. But we might as well talk about the big news, the, the half, I would say, of UFC's television deal. They're going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I am a cord cutter, or will be a cord cutter. Um, I, I don't know if I had mentioned this on the air to you at least, but my wife is going back to school full-time in the fall. Wanted to go ahead and get through it, so we're making adjustments to our budget, and one of those is we're switching away from DirecTV. So with the cord cutting situation, now ultimately, the thing is, if it's a part of my job, it'll be reimbursed anyway. But, you know... Maybe Jimmy Van slams the gavel down in November or something, and he goes, No more Fightful! You're fired! Well, I'm still going to watch these fights, and it looks like ESPN Plus for 5 bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, is the way that they're going. 15 fight cards of 12 fights. That I am very happy about, that there's a limit of 12 fights. What do you think of this initial news and the numbers involved? Well, I want to know if, if there's, there's still, a, you know anything fox related i don't think there's going to be anything fox related but you just never know the when i first got the news about you know espn plus and the fact that they are going to be putting together events for the online audience but what does that mean for fight pass that was my initial what would you know what's the point of having fight pass is the ufc going to continue putting on events on fight pass Um, will there be fight pass prelims to hear you call titan fighting championships that's I understand the that. point of getting fight pass. Come on, I sell, sell the if, shit, Joe. What, no, no, what are you I don't know. What I'm trying to say is what does that mean for Titan FC? What does it mean for Eddie Bravo? What does it mean for Invicta MC? What does it mean for all the associations sure. and promotions that are on there when it's like, well, wait a second. I thought you guys were on here as well, constantly promoting it. There's a massive library there. Will all of that be available to ESPN Plus subscribers? You know, it's 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 a weird sort of dynamic, and then of course you have you know what are they going to be airing on television uh, on ESPN? Well, you know, it's it's the way the future seems to be more online, or at least the availability to watch things online, uh, and no longer with a cable subscription. Don't tell ESPN that, but they know that. So it's it's a weird dynamic, and we're seeing a transition as part of basically medium history. Um, you know, where, where TVs once used to be a rarity, they used to be black and white. Then they used to be color. Then they used to only be three or four channels. Then there were 12 channels. Then there were 30. Then there were 500. Then there were 1,000. Then we go online. So this is evolving. And at at the forefront now is the UFC that has a demographic of of a fan base that every single advertiser really wants to tap into. It's that, you know, 20 to 30 to 40 year old with disposable income that has no problem shelling out five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, nine bucks a month, whatever it is. But eventually there's going to be a cap. Eventually, people are be like, you know what? Like Sean Rossap said, there's cord cutters. There's going to be a situation when guys that are in that 20 to 30-year-old range are married or girls are married and have budgets. 
You can only watch and afford so much. Above all, there's only so much time. And the other confusion was what's something that you consistently mocked, not mocked, but brought up about the UFC back in the day is you just don't know where the content is. What channel is it on? It was on FX. It was on this. It was on that. It was on Fox Sports 1, 2, 5, 8, 9. Where's the content? And I think the same thing It feels like it's going to happen again. Where is the content? So we're obviously going to spend quite a bit of time on this. It is one of the biggest UFC stories of the year, honestly, probably a top 10 news story of the year. There's this shift in entertainment and the way that we consume it as well. I mean, I have on my desk in front of me, I'm looking ahead at monitor number one. I'm looking at monitor number two right now, monitor number three over here, and I have a another monitor, essentially a television, to the left of me. On old broadcast, you all would see an additional monitor in the background of my, my Zordon setup in here. The way that we watch things is so different. I specifically went out and bought this TV that I have, Joe, because it has Roku built in. The other TV that I had oh, prior, yep. despite the fact that it was the same size, didn't have that built in. I can go right to YouTube. I can go. I can watch our show right now live on my TV. That's the other thing. Smart TVs, right? Yes. They're, they're pretty much the standard now. You can buy – I bought this TV for under $400. And it's 55 inches. It's a smart TV. There's not a lot that it can't do. Cord cutters are embracing this type of stuff. Will yeah. ESPN be that thing? I don't know. Also, you got to wonder where do, do ESPN's priorities lie. I mean, there are a million ESPNs. And in the last several years, I can tell you, I have not watched ESPN2 in probably a decade. Oh, I have wow. not watched ESPN News in a decade. I've watched ESPN... I'll turn it on ESPNU for Kentucky Wildcats games. And if you're not into college sports, you're not watching that. So I wonder how much they're putting into this ESPN Plus thing. I know that Kyler James, our social media guy, said you need to check out this Kobe Bryant thing. So if they're putting Kobe Bryant on a show, giving him his own show where he breaks down basketball, they believe it, it can be something. There's also the discussion of what happens to Fight Pass, as you mentioned. Saw somebody saying, oh, well, if they could get 2 million subscriptions... Then they'd be doing all right. They, they'd be loot, they'd be making more money that way. Well, they're not getting two million subscriptions. How do I know this? Because <laughs> they won't put pay per views on there for one, and number two, they are nowhere near as big as the WWE within a consumer perspective on television. And WWE did put their pay per views on their ten dollar network, and they struggled for four years to get to two million. So I really don't think that. Um, that UFC is going to be able to hit that mark. As far as Fight Pass, I know they made money off of it early. Um, there, are, there are questions still. Uh, in addition to that, where does the Ultimate Fighter go? And a lot of people are saying, Ultimate Fighter's gone. And I'm saying, oh no, you hold up. Just because Dana White's Contender Series is on ESPN Plus doesn't mean a damn thing. And the fact that they were able to parlay that from a Fight Pass exclusive into this alleged $150 million a year deal is pretty special because they just took a bunch of people, many of which should have already been in the UFC, gave them fights with no guarantee of a contract on a Tuesday night. <laughs> they're just like, new show. Well, that works. So in that space, they're very smart. I'm not convinced that Ultimate Fighter's going away yet, although they have done some things in recent years that have made us think that they're emptying the well. They're, they're running it dry, essentially. This is just half of UFC's television deal. We heard reports late last year, Joe, that UFC turned down $200 million from Fox 
as a lowball offer. Keep in mind, initially when their deal was announced, it was $120 million a year. They're getting $150 million, reportedly, for half their deal. So many businesses are going to a rights fee-based service. So, good on UFC, because right now it looks like they're going to at least double what they have, because... I can tell you one thing. I don't think these are going to be the premium. These are going to be the Fight Pass cards that, that ESPN gets. Mm-hmm. Whew, well, boy. there's twelve. There's twelve fight or there's twelve boats per ESPN card to start. To start. So if there's twelve boats, they're, 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 they've got to have some sort of pretty damn good talent at that at that are main eventing or co-main eventing those cards do you think that they'll actually promote like 15 and like maybe three of them will still air on fight pass just in case a couple fall out because a couple will fall out Mm -hmm. and it'll probably be in their contractually obligated agreement that they have to at least air 12 of those fights uh there's also going to be new uh all access series produced by img original content um It says access to UFC's full archive of programming, including historic events, classic bouts, original programming. And then it says UFC countdown, press conferences, weigh-ins. I would imagine that those countdowns, weigh-ins, and all that, those will still probably air on YouTube because they would be real dumb if they didn't because those are a major tool in selling their shows. Uh, 30-minute pre-shows airing before the events and post-shows. Normally I would say, oh no, that's bad for us. UFC does post shows already. Who, get, who gives a damn? Yeah, but yeah, lots lots of stuff coming out on this of, of this. The dominoes are about to fall, and it's not just UFC that is affected. WWE is affected as well. Their rights fees are coming up too, and they have been with uh, NBC Universal for thirteen years now. Before that, they they really helped launch UFC because the Ultimate Fighter was on right after WWE Raw. So, I mean, they are a proven commodity in that space, and there are rumors that WWE is uh, open to getting Raw on Fox if UFC moves away from Fox, but we're not convinced that UFC will move away from Fox yet. I don't doubt that they could come to terms with, with, with Fox. Now, does this affect anything in Canada? How is anything affected there? You basically just took the words out of my mouth. When you saw me looking down uh, while you were talking, for those tuning in, I was doing a couple of things. A, I was promoting the show via Instagram, at Joe, uh, as well as uh, on, on Twitter and, and Facebook. But I was also trying to get to the app uh, to see if I can get ESPN Plus here in Canada. I haven't had a chance. So uh, I can do that right now. But if you're any Canadians on the live chat right now, Canadians only. If you can get ESPN Plus on your phone or any uh, via any other medium, please let me know. Uh, I'll pay attention to the chat here uh, to see if it's a yay or nay, but I'll definitely do it. But you know, what does this mean for Canada, right? Because right now the broadcasting rights, excuse me, are with TSN. Okay, um, TSN does have a Go app. It's called TSN Go. Uh, I can't believe I'm promoting TSN stuff. Wow, never thought I would do that. Uh, I'm just talking about it. But anyways, it's there. Will they be able to air it on that? Because obviously TSN and ESPN do have a relationship. One owns the other um, or owns a portion of the other. So th- there is a relationship there. What does that mean for other stations? Um, I mean, if I never thought in a million years that ES or TSN would ever air Fox content. Well, they, or Fox, con- they did, obviously, with the UFC deal. But now it goes over to ESPN. Will that strengthen and see TSN have them thinking, you know what? Now we can get behind this product. ESPN's behind it. We got to get behind it more. 
So that could actually improve things in Canada. I don't know. Um, for all I know, it might go back to Sportsnet when the broadcasting deal is right up or up. I don't know. It's so strange. But in the meantime, as this deal goes through and Canadian UFC fans in general want to watch UFC content, if it's not available to them and they have to search for it, it's already hard enough as it is, they'll lose more fans here, in my opinion. Because the fan base right now for the UFC, Sean, we've talked about it till. I mean, we're blue in the face. We've talked about it for so much. It's almost non-existent here. Okay, it's rare. There are the hardcore fans, but it's it's not as mainstream as it used to be. There are no stars in Canada. Zero. Who's the biggest star out of Canada? <laughs> well, it might Elias. be GSP again. It might be GSP. Well, I'll say no, but it might be GSP again. So it's it's one of those things. There's no. They always had a local. They always had a big star in Canada before GSP was Carlos Newton. Right, he was a world champion, and then GSP sort sort of kind of made up, or, or or went up the ranks and became this massive pay per view draw. So, but there's no one right now, right? Elias is trying to get there. He's working hard. He's doing you know, all kinds of stuff. Some call it a gimmick. Some don't call Having it a gimmick. Having worse hair than me. Yeah, the yeah, man he's bun. Trying. Yeah, you guys and your it's man going bun. up right now. Modern People day bun. Witnessing history. The first time I've done this on the air. Hey man, I had a mullet in the. Oh, 90s. it fell out. Oh. Oh. Damn. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it, we'll see where it goes, man. We'll see where it goes. Uh, Matt nine hundred two. Nope, no ESPN Plus in Canada, Joe. Things just got interesting right there, right? So yeah. if well, everything inter- goes internationally, online, I think that something else is is going to going to happen. Uh, Dang MQ says those UFC embedded videos are great. They are great, and the turnaround that they have on those things is very impressive. Uh, we we put every one on Fightful dot com. Stone Osborne says, effing amateur SRS. Yes, until months ago, my wife was putting up my hair for me. Not ashamed to admit. Not ashamed to admit. Uh, Before we get into UFC 224 stuff, there was some news that emerged today. Dana Dana White on UFC Unfiltered. Just, I don't know if he was bored or what the deal was. He's like, ah, yeah, we're working on GSP Nate Diaz, 155 pounds for August 4th. Uh-huh. Sources close to the situation. Very close to the situation. Told me. Uh-uh. Good. Rumors are false. To be quite honest with you, I have a scheduled night off on August 4th. A scheduled <laughs> night off. Like, yeah. you know, I, I do plan these like three or four months ahead. Got bachelor party related stuff for uh, one of my friends. So my post show is coming the next day, likely, after this pay-per-view. Very rare that happens. But if GSPD has happened, there's no way I would be able to do that. I would have to run a podcast from the hotel that I'll be at. So, uh, well, first off, I think at any weight... GSP completely dominates a Nate Diaz. I don't think Nate Diaz... I think Nate Diaz stands about a 5% chance of winning that fight. I don't see a way, based on what I saw against Bisping, that a Nate Diaz would pose much of a challenge to George St. Pierre. I'll say this. Uh, I have good news about George's health. He's doing much, much better, uh, which is good news. Doesn't mean he's coming back. But if he's doing much, much better, I can assure you uh, 
a dude wants to come back. Okay. Yeah. Like as I, I can, I can tell him as much as you want, guys. George, don't come back. George, don't come back. Don't, why? 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 He's he's George. He's gonna do whatever he wants, and that probably means fighting while he still can for the next year or so. Okay. In terms of matching up with Nate Diaz, the matchup itself, I don't like that for Nate Diaz because you look at his style. What's he gonna do? He's gonna attack George full blown and get taken down on the ground. He's not gonna be able to stop a George St. Pierre takedown. And, and when George gonna get, we'll hear so about much, George is so much stronger than him. Like and it's, afterwards, it's, we'll hear about yeah. how much of a pussy George is. Yeah, right. So the the only fight that I think George really wants, I mean, I think he wouldn't mind defending that 185 pound title, but it ain't gonna happen. If that Conor McGregor fight makes itself available, yeah, yeah, right. So, That's the fight. Before this first clip, I, I've decided to insert a clip of Brian Kelleher in here as well, who we have an exclusive interview with. He fights John Lineker this uh, Saturday at UFC 224. We mentioned Dana White's Contender Series, and former NFL player Greg Hardy has been confirmed for the show. Former NFL player Greg Hardy, who has a domestic violence-laden uh, past. Paul Daly was fired from the UFC for life for punching Josh Koscheck after the bell. Uh, he should have been he should have been banned because Koscheck blocked it. That's why he really should have been banned because he threw a punch after the bell that Koscheck saw with his back turned enough to where he could get the hand up. But anyway, we got people with all kinds of past issues like being given opportunities. Paul Daly isn't. We've seen people cut. Leslie Smith cut. That that was, that was an article that I saw where UFC doesn't want Leslie Smith, but apparently they want Greg Hardy. I was like, that's a bad look, for sure. What do you make of this news? I, I'm not sure how hip to the NFL you guys are up there. Oh, we're definitely hip to the NFL. <laughs> My issue is, you know, it's almost, you know, you mentioned a domestic. Well, you know, Roberto Asuna, the closer for the Blue Jays, just got, uh, has been arrested for a domestic, which absolutely um, sucks if you're a Blue Jay fan and a baseball fan. But if you're a, a, a human being, you better hope that's not true, Roberto, because uh, that's not cool. Um, in terms of Hardy, is it a numbers game, Sean? Is it a ratings gimmick? You know, do we forgive and forget? Is it okay? You know, that that's where you, you, you've got to morally stand on this. You know, my mindset's changed a little bit with a recent course I took. Um, with It, it was called uh, Ethics in Sport, uh, especially Ethics in Soccer. And, you know, me being in a situation as a coach, as my players get older, you know, what decision do you make in a specific scenario? And, you know, ethically... It's amazing if you actually put some thought into things, things and how ethically you have to make that right decision. But proactively or professionally, you may think, "Meh, we can get rid of this. Oh, we can do that." You know, and it's the same thing in mixed martial arts promotion. And sometimes you got to take a look and think to yourself, "We can make money off of Hardy." Yes, we can yeah, make a lot I, of. I think money that's off what Hardy. they. I think that's what they're relying on. You know. And by the way, you guys talking about the uh, Joe Rogan and uh, John Danaher uh, podcast. Sean Rossack was all over me about watching that, and I had a friend of mine who is a high-level high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner, uh, chiropractor, neurologist, becoming a medical doctor as well, who said who was insulted. 
that I hadn't watched it yet. <laughs> That's so, a good he one. knows I, I've known John Danaher for years. I watched it, Sean. Yeah, I mean, ten out of ten. The Kevin Lee one was very good too. Kevin Lee That's showed a lot one. of personality on that show. That's the next one. That's Man, next one. that yeah. one was was exceptional. Did you watch the whole Danaher one though? I think I did. Yeah. Did you at any one point in time listen to John Danaher and think to yourself, like I did, that I am a stupid human being. I have no knowledge. I am not worthy oh, yeah. to listen to this man. He is just unbelievable. And that's how he is in person, except when he loses his mind. Then you're just <laughs> kind of like, this guy's the best. He's crazy. So, Yeah, I love that show. Uh, Joe Rogan has a lot of good stuff. Sometimes it will be completely not about whatever the hell they originally <laughs> talked about, but – uh, I can tell you that Brian Kelleher talked to James Lynch about an awful lot of stuff. This full exclusive interview over at Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Take a look at the clip. What did you think about that controversy, just quickly? Because that's in your weight class, uh, Ricky Simone getting the win there. What were your thoughts, just quickly? Yeah, you know, I trained with Marab a couple of times leading up to that fight. He's a really nice guy, really good guy. So, you know, I was a little bit biased. Like, I was on his side there. But it was just, you know, it was frustrating to see because for him – I felt like he was moving his legs because he was trying to show that he was alive, he was good, and he wasn't out. But then at the end, it seemed to me like he looked like he was catching his breath, like he may have been out. But the ref never signaled like the fight was over. Just the bell went off and the fight was over, and I thought he won a decision. And I think the doctors made it look worse because they were like, hey, like stay down, stay down. He went to get up a little, but they told him lay down. So it looked like he was more out of it, you know? Yeah. No, that's good to get the boom take on that one. How do you see this fight playing out on May 12th? You know, I, I have a really good feeling about the fight. I think I have more well-rounded skills. I think I have more tools in my in my bag to, to pull out for the fight. You know, Lineker's obviously dangerous with his power punching, and he likes to come forward and throw a lot of heavy hook shots. But uh, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I've done a lot of specific work with that with my brother, kind of imitating him. Even though he's a different body style, he does a really good job at, at knowing how other guys fight because he's a fan, you know. So he's seen Lineker fight. He comes at me like that when we drill spar a lot. So I'm, I'm really prepared for what he brings to the table. But I'm not going to fight him scared like a lot of other guys and back up and just kind of try to cover up and take his shots. I'm going to push forward and I'm going to use angles and movement and mix up my game, you know, strikes and takedowns. And I think that'll get me the W. Where do you feel like a win over Lineker puts you? Uh, are you looking, I, I guess you're looking at that Marlon Moraes, Jimmy Rivera fight. Yeah. I'm really looking at that fight because I, I look at it like who's going to be ready to fight again in about August area. And those guys are fighting June 1st. So it makes sense to me that maybe they, it, you know, with no injuries, hopefully that they'll be able to bounce back and fight August 4th. That's my vision. I'd like to fight on that card with TJ and, and Cody and maybe either co-main event or, you know, maybe the third fight down on the main card, something like that. You know, we'll have a really solid little bantamweight situation going on there because, you know, there's not many other guys open in the division. Everyone's taken up and, and Aljo just called out Dominic Cruz. So that kind of, kind of ruined that for me. But, uh, you know, I, who knows who Dominic Cruz is going to want to fight. He's also looking to just fight for the belt. So we don't know if he's going to take any fights below him. But uh, I'm really looking at Marias and Rivera. I think if that plays out, even if Rivera wins, if the title's held up a little bit and there's some time, me and him have some history. So maybe that works out too. Yeah, it didn't segue too well into that. He talked about the Dvalashvili Ricky Simone controversy initially because he trained with Dvalashvili. And uh, we also have an interview with Ricky Simone up on FightfulMMA.com. Some of the upcoming guests 
on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. How about Colby Covington? How about Brendan Schaub? How about Kevin Lee? How about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? We got those in the coming weeks. Most of those interviews are in full over at FightfulMMA.com. But a ton of stories coming out of that. Uh, you all may have seen the clip that I posted of Colby Covington talking about Ronda Rousey's uh, <laughs> Ronda Rousey's wrestling. <laughs> I'm just seeing the, the live chat. Joe, I was in ketosis with my dog for three days, Rogan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did... The guys in the live chat and girls, I'm not sure if there's any girls on there, but you guys kill me. Like, I'm trying to be a professional on the air right now, and I read some of the stuff you guys put out there, and I'm dying. Like, I'm just dying. Oh, this is easily our most entertaining live chat. Like, so we do, on any given week, five to six live shows. Now, I won't make bones about it. MMA isn't our biggest, biggest one. It's probably our least, but it's easily our most entertaining Live chat. Uh, Brendan, is it though? Shab? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, ketosis with his dog. That one got me. Joe, a co- coyote ate my chicken and my dog helped Rogan. <laughs> Listen to all these sirens out here. It sounds like I'm in Jimmy Van's office. Oh, that's Ooh. right. When you were there, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad that time you were there. I hear you. Nonstop. Sirens, oh, Jesus. and he's in a good part of town. Like that yeah. must have been a bad day. Poor Jimmy must have been embarrassed because that, that's a high end part of town. So you, know? uh, you were at Ryzen, obviously. You called the fights. Yep. Kyoji Horiguchi, man. I'll go ahead and say it. I think he's the second best flyweight in MMA history, behind one guy. Behind one yep. guy. Yeah. You could argue Benavidez, maybe, but I'm going Horiguchi. He knocked out Ian McCall in nine seconds. It was unbelievable. You know how excited I was for that fight. And there are a lot of times, like, for example, when Sergio Pettis fought Ben Henderson for the second time, I was strapped in. I was ready for five rounds. I was disappointed when that fight ended in a first-round armbar. I was ready for several rounds of this, but I wasn't disappointed by the finish because of how good Horiguchi is. What was it like being there? Talk me through the experience of uh, Ryzen 10 this week, last week. Well, um, last week, it's, it was two days, man. It was me leaving Toronto. Uh, obviously, by the time I got there, it was the following day in Japan, which was the Saturday, just in time for me to get my luggage, you know, an hour wait for my luggage. And you know, remember, it's a 13-hour flight. So, you know, 13-hour flight, get there. By the time you get your luggage, it was an extra two hours. Got to the hotel, basically checked in, tried to find out where Frank Trigg was. He he came in an hour and a half earlier. He had already been there, showered, out trying to grab a bite to eat. I went upstairs, showered, got a bite to eat. We connected. And before you know it, literally bedtime, guys. Bedtime. Went to bed, tried to catch up on some sleep. Uh, woke up. It was fight day. Went over to the studio. Um, they had the, everything set up for us. And then calling the fights, which, you know, some of the fights were uh, not overly exciting. We were, I, I was kind of disappointed with the two heavyweight fights. I was like, you know, Bryson is trying to get some heavyweight stars here, guys. You guys are talented fighters. What happened here? Right? Uh, some of the other fights were ridiculously awesome, like crazy. And then you got to that main event. I mean, by the way, if you haven't seen the co-main event, once again, Tenshin Natsukawa is just something else. That kid is just fantastic. Uh, there were some really good um, – there were up and down female fights. The third from the main event – so there was the main event, co-main event, and then the uh, Asakura uh, female fight. 
I zoned out in that fight. You may hear it on the broadcast. You'll hear Frank and I going back and forth, and then there was a point. Has anyone ever driven before, and you've driven for seven or eight minutes and then snapped out of where you just were, and you were just like, you're still driving, and you're kind of like, what yeah, just happened? Yeah, you boy GSP, and then he got abducted by aliens. Yeah. Well, I wasn't abducted by aliens. What I do know is I did anything and everything possible to ensure I was as the best that I could be considering the circumstances uh, to call these fights. Coffee, 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 nonstop, just being, you know, trying to get to sleep in. But I remember in the in the Asakura fight, just kind of like snapping out of it, looking at Trig, and Trig was talking, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like called the wow. fights again. And I was just kind of – just exhausted. Like the, the, the your body clock is on a different time. Oh, of course. Your body clock's on a completely different time. Then we got to that main event, and I was, you know, we had the intermission. The co-main event just went off. You know, it was a beautiful finish. I mean, a highlight reel, spinning heel kick sideways. It looked like. I mean, if, if anyone hasn't seen the the kick, Natsukawa landed this spinning heel kick. His opponent kept trying to take him down. It was a kickboxing fight. Kept trying to take him down, and then he said, "That's it. This kid's so fast. Nineteen years old does a spinning heel kick so fast that he lands on the ground like this, like you saw Nate D- or Nick Diaz yeah. versus Anderson Silva. He lands on the ground like this while his opponent is still in the air trying to figure out what just happened. It just it's incredible." We get to the main event, and Frank and I are excited. Horiguchi, obviously, in my opinion, number two in the world at 125. This fight's at 135. Um, you know, great job by Ian McCall promoting this fight, saying, I, you know, I, I went to Japan to chase this guy down because I couldn't fight him in the UFC, blah, blah. And, you know, doing the, the introductions, I'm telling the stories, the backstory, why Horiguchi went back to Japan after the UFC. Boom, the fight start. I'm getting the action rolling. Oh, my God, it's all, it's all conscious. It was like nine seconds of like, what just happened here? And and Frank and I were trying to figure out what it was. Was it a jab? And then we eventually saw that when Ian threw the one-two, Horiguchi was already out of the way and throws that left that just clocks. And you just see McCall's face like, and like what happened? He drops down. It was over. And Frank and I were trying to figure out like, wh- what happened here? That's insane. And then we watched the replay and it was like, oh my God, this guy is so fast i just want to say there's nothing lucky about that punch zero Uh, but man does ian mccall have the worst luck in the history of mma his fight ends in nine seconds he got cut at the at his rising debut he had i think five fights pulled out uh between 2015 2017 not to mention he fought his last UFC fight was against John Lineker, January 2015, and Lineker missed weight, like monumentally missed weight. Before that string of bad luck, he had two wins in a row, 2013-2014. This was a guy who needed just another win or so in the UFC, and they probably would have put him against Demetrius Johnson because of the draw that they had. So uh McCall says maybe the sport has passed him by. Maybe so. I would still really like to see him get one more crack at it. Just one more. Yep. And if it, if it doesn't work out for him, sure. Now, I'm not him. I'm not the 33-year-old who's been fighting since... God, man. He's been fighting since he was, I think, 17. Has McCall. 17 or 18. That's not me. I'm not the one with 15, 16 years of cage miles on my body like him. I mean, he was a Tachi Palace flyweight champion in 2011. And that back then, 
the Tachi Palace flyweight champion, you could say, was the best flyweight in the world. That's really the best where a lot of these guys would fight. I, I just want to see him do it one more time. Also, Hamasaki got a win. Crookshank got a big head kick win. How was your trip back? Have you have you slept on the plane at all? Uh, I actually did sleep. I did oh! sleep on the way back there. Yeah. For See, Sean knows, guys. For those that don't know, I don't sleep on planes. I cannot sleep on planes, but this time the body was so fatigued um, that I I actually – I slept – it was a 13-hour flight, so I slept uh, I think four or five times in about 20, 25-minute increments. Um, So I did get some sleep, uh, watched a lot of different movies and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I do want to say – I mean if if, if anyone that believes in karma, uh, if you could tell karma to please give some love to Ian McCall because that guy deserves as much good karma – as possible because he, he like you know, Sean articulated it. He's gone through hell and back, uh, not just in life, but just with the UFC, the last situations with the UFC, the craziness in that Manel Cape fight on New Year's Eve, where you know he, he he's chasing him down and his head gets on the ropes and slides against the ropes and it splits him wide open. The the nine second Horiguchi fight. Um, I, I I echo Sean's sentiments. This guy deserves. To have some sort of love, come back, fight one more time um, in in uh, in Ryzen, get a win under your belt, and if then you want to call it a career, awesome. But the way he's gone down or gone out in these two fights, you know, uh, there was nothing lucky about Horiguchi's punch, like you said. That was a perfectly timed and executed counter uh, to what Ian was throwing. So, and Ian can't be upset with himself because it wasn't some schmuck that hit him with that left. It was Horiguchi who timed it. He's got excellent precision and power. So Ian got caught. Chuck Liddell got caught. Everybody's been caught. So McCall's still a great fighter. It's, I think he deserves uh, a lot more than what life has handed him. That's just my opinion. Uh, flight back was great. Uh, got some sleep in there. <laughs> Again, an hour for my luggage. I don't know why this That's was the weird, trip for man. the hour luggage. It happens. And then uh, I didn't park at the airport this time, Sean. As you know, I decided no longer uh, to park at the airport. I park off the airport, take a shuttle in. It's half the price. Yeah. You know, why am I paying over 100 bucks to park when I can pay forty nine ninety nine? All right, cool. But I got to tell you, waiting for that shuttle and then trying to get out there and then rush hour traffic in Toronto, oh, which yeah. you know about. I was like, I would have paid the 150 bucks. I made the joke that like, you can – you can walk almost anywhere in Toronto four times as fast as you can drive there. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, yeah, yeah. that was my joke. Ever, that's why so many people there are either walking or they're taking Ubers and taxis and all that stuff. So, speaking of Japan, a fight that was, or a rivalry that was born in Japan, Quentin Rampage Jackson, Vanderlei Silva, Bellator teasing a fourth uh, installment of that. I'm down for it. To me, I completely agree with Quentin Rampage Jackson. He asks, why the hell are you all signing me if you're going to put me against Satoshi Ishii, King Mo, and Chael Sonnen? Because all due respect... You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Those are all, even Satoshi Ishii at that point was good competition. However, those are not the types of fights that make you say, oh, I want to watch Rampage fight that guy. However, Vanderlei Silva is. I'm down for it. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to go over one thing here with Vanderlei Silva uh, and Rampage Jackson. If you give me one moment here, I'm just looking at the stats here. Um, two to one, Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei so need him twice. Yeah, uh, so we're gonna have a fifth fight if these guys have a fourth fight because uh, Rampage wins that first or the next fight. I think so too. And Makes why not? Run, run it back twice. I'm down for it. Cool, yep. man. Whatever. Also, Bisping and Dylan Danis beefing. I mean, I get what Dylan Danis is doing, but come on. Yeah, settle down, guys. Settle down. Makes no sense. I think I think MVP knocks him out in under a minute. Did they sign the fight? No, but if they did, MVP would knock him out in under a minute. MVP special, man. MVP is something special. I don't know how it'd go for MVP on the ground, but I think that he would knock out Dylan Danis with with ease. Uh, We've got all this news of Eddie Alvarez not fighting until he gets a new deal, and. Dustin Poirier saying that he's ducking him, but it looks like the deal has been made. Uh, Dana White was in Philadelphia to take in a uh, a Celtics 76ers game, and apparently, allegedly, they got a deal done. What do you think of that? Well, the fact that Dana was out there in Philly, I know he loves the Celtics, but you're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Right? One of your top lightweights uh, who people want to see fight. That's that's like me. Like the other day, I was like, you know what? I really need some more Powerade Zero, and then I went and bought the TV that I just mentioned. That's like <laughs> I had to have that excuse. He Dana White's like, well, I better get out to Philadelphia. Eddie Alvarez is super important. Oh wait, you mean my favorite <laughs> basketball team is in the playoffs? They're up. Oh, they're they're up three games to none, two games to none, huh? Yeah, they, they they hash out that deal. I believe the Raptors got swept. Yeah, it's LeBron. I, I can't believe it. That man, uh, with every every Something man, is. you know, I grew up a Bulls fan. The way that I put it when people ask me who I think the best is, I think that Michael Jordan is the most dominant player that I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, if you said, I need him, I need somebody who's going to win a game, any game, with any cast around him, I'd say Michael Jordan. If you were to say, oh, I want to start a franchise tomorrow with any player in NBA history, I would say LeBron James because you can put him absolutely anywhere in the lineup. He can guard every position. He can play every position. He's that good. Man, I love the NBA playoffs, but hot when, dog. When a, dude, when a seven-year-old child looks at the screen and keeps looking at his dad and says, Daddy, he's just too good. They can't beat him. It's not fair. Even on video games, it's not fair, man. Yeah. Like, he said they, team, <laughs> can't beat him. 
And because, you know, I'm teaching my son to analyze a lot more than just watch, right? Don't sure. just watch the basketball, just pay attention. And he's like, they can't beat him. They can't. <laughs> he's just too good. And it's just like, so, and, and uh, people are asking me, what do they do? Do they fire um, Casey? And I'm like, I, I, got, a, I got a podcast. To, they shouldn't. To they shouldn't. He's great. You know, it's, it's a tough call. I'll, we can get that out off the air. I don't know if you should or shouldn't, but it's, it's <laughs> a weird scenario. But yeah, uh, Dana White. If, if, if the Alvarez deal is signed, awesome. He's a fan favorite. He doesn't have. Much, I mean, they're not saying he doesn't have much time left, but he deserves to be in the cage far more than sitting on the sideline waiting to happen. Because you sign me up with that Dustin Poirier fight, I can't wait for it to go down, man. Yeah, Let's hell get yeah, man. Done. Also right? announced uh, James Vick versus Paul Felder, Shoeface versus Brunson. These are both good fights. This is the fight Shoeface deserves, and Vick versus Felder is going to be real good. Ooh, yeah. That's going to be ridiculous. That's going to be precision and violence at the same time. I'm down for those. What else do we have? I think I think it's about time to preview UFC 224. Well, after we talk about this Johnny Hendricks back to welterweight thing, do you think it matters? No. I don't either. No. Is he going to make welterweight? Did, did he all of a sudden find the cure to cutting weight? Exactly. Did it become a situation where he realized, you know what, I missed all that weight because I wasn't motivated enough, I wasn't intelligent enough, not intelligent enough, excuse me, I wasn't motivated enough, I didn't, I wasn't as serious as I, I now feel that I have to be? Like, what is it? Because he had problems making middleweight. Now you're going to go, you're going to lose 15 more pounds? Hey, I'm with you, man. I just think his time has passed. I think that, that things have happened <laughs> that have, uh. Look at Ole Samuel Ole's comment. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, he'd probably stand as much of a chance as a lot of those guys except for Ryan Bader does. Why isn't Johnny Hendricks not in the belt or heavyweight tournament? Why you guys not? are the best. So we do have UFC 224 this weekend. We'll start by previewing uh, the main event fight, Amanda Nunes, Raquel Pennington. But what? What? One, qu- one sec. One sec. Stone Osborne, Stone Osborne, if you have watched any of my podcasts, yeah. if you've watched any of my career since Anderson Silva knocked out, or sorry, since Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva for the very first time, it was George St. Pierre who called me and said, I would like you to do an interview with me. We need to talk about steroids and performance enhancing drugs in mixed martial arts. And I would like to pay for Johnny Hendricks's VADA testing. That's an interview that went public. So, Stone, if if believe me, I hear you loud and clear. Loud and clear. So, Sean, sorry, my bad. UFC 224, I'm excited. Me too. But before we get into what we think, <laughs> here's what the pros think about the main event. That's so cool, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Rocky. Um... But I just think, uh, like as far like as far as bantamweights, I, I think uh, I think um, Amanda Nunez is just a, she's a lioness, man. She's the queen of the jungle down there. Her striking is awesome. Um, there's a there's a when, when she fought Ronda Rousey, that was like to me like I know it, it was quick and it it was kind of like the end of Ronda's like little terror, but. Uh, the way like she rocked Ronda and still like pressed forward and kept her at the end of all the punches. All those punches were hard and long at the perfect distance where Ronda couldn't clinch her, and and 
But like just to like stay committed and not overcommit, and that's like one of my biggest problems. Like for her to be able to do that at that moment, I was like, dude, this chick is a beast, dude. And, I, and like that's something I took away from her, and like I'm trying to learn how to do. So I just I think she's really smart. I think her striking's amazing, and I got to go with Amanda Nunez. I, I still think Amanda Nunez. I really do. She's she's very well rounded. She's aggressive. Um, everywhere it goes, she's good. So. I don't know, Raquel Pennington, you know, she's, she's tough too. Um, gosh, that's hard. They're both strong competitors at that, at that weight. So, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a really good fight, a really good fight. I think it, I think it's going to be one of those fights that the first round's going to be like, oh, shit, and then we're going to go from there. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one. You know, I really like Raquel. I really like Amanda. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the champ again on that one. I think Amanda has really grown as a fighter in the last few years. Obviously she's retained her belt for, for a bit now and she's, she's tough. And I think she has the skill to, to beat Raquel, um, in, in every aspect, you know, I think it'll be close. It's definitely going to be closer than the Chris and Yana fight <laughs> by far. Um, it might be a decision in the end just because Raquel is, really tough, but I, I'm going to go with Amanda on that one. I don't know, man. I'm not, I, that, that's going to be a good fight, but and Amanda Nunez has really good striking and extremely good at using her length. So, I mean, I feel like if Raquel gets it down, she could win it. I think if Amanda keeps it up, she's been no, no you know, she can knock anybody out. I think Amanda Nunez will probably win that. So Raquel, Raquel Pennington has been, she's been injured. She's been out, but you know, she's, she's been working, you know, I follow her. Uh, on social media, I follow her on Twitter, and she's she's been working, she's been at it. I'm a big uh, Pennington fan from from her times on the Ultimate Fighter, so you know I I definitely got to go with her. I think she's well rounded. I think she's gonna take the fight wherever she wants to take it. So I I definitely got Pennington on this. One. Oh, my gosh, I don't know. I I think uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Raquel is amazing. She's she's put on some great performances these last couple of fights. So I don't know. That one's up in the air for me. Yeah, you know, Raquel's been coming up. She's been looking good lately, but uh, I think Nunez is one of those girls, kind of like Cyborg, where, like, she's just on another level in there with these girls. And uh, I, I feel like uh, Nunez is going to take that probably by uh, uh, TKO as well. She just seems to have a little bit more power than these other ladies as far as striking goes. UFC 224, Raquel Pennington challenges Amanda Nunes for the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Raquel Pennington has not fought since November 2016. At one point, she looked like she was just barely hanging on, Joe. Uh, in Invicta, she lost to Leslie Smith. She lost to Kat Zingano. In UFC, she lost to Andrade and Holm. Far worse people that you can lose to at any weight. Uh, two people who are not at that weight anymore. Apparently, Holly Holm is still competing at 145. Andrade has since moved to 115. Although, I gotta say... Jessica Ricosi beating Raquel Pennington looks more impressive than ever in that Ultimate Fighter uh, that Ultimate Fighter tournament. I would have loved to have seen Jessica Ricosi about, oh, I don't know, 10 years younger in yeah. MMA. But we have Raquel Pennington. To put it in perspective, her last fight was Misha Tate's last fight, Joe. How do right? you think that plays into things? We we are a solid year and a half out. Um, she had a a pretty rough accident on an ATV that roughed up her leg really badly. Big time. Yeah, big time. Really nasty. 
She is a lot of people think that she's like a lot smaller than she is. She's five foot seven. Like she just looks compact, I guess, next to everybody. She said this is the weight she's competing at. A lot of people suggested she moved to one twenty five. She said, Nope, can't do it unless I chop a leg off. She I, is, I've stood next to her. I would not want to receive a leg kick from her. Let's she put it that is, way. Yeah, she's fighting a tall task in Amanda Nunes, Joe. Yeah, my heart will be always go with Raquel Pennington. I'm a huge, huge fan uh, of anything and everything that she does, but my head is flat out saying this one uh, may not go two rounds. Like Amanda Nunes, if it's the Amanda Nunes that's been showing up recently, this this is going to be a, a, a difficult night for Raquel. Uh, Amanda Nunes, unless she is not motivated, and considering she's fighting in Brazil, methinks she's motivated. Uh, she's going to put on a show, and I think she's going to get that victory, no ifs, ands, or buts, and I think she'll use her hands to do it. Very aggressive. Uh, she throws um, the combinations in a manner. Um, who was the first person on the pros picks? It was um, drawing a blank here. It wasn't Brian. It wasn't Kelleher. It was um, – I have to go back and look, but uh... – yeah. But they, just, they almost described it eloquently enough to say um, – the way she throws her combinations, especially against Ronda Rousey, if you look at the way she threw the the two, it wasn't the two, really. It was something else than a two, the way it was thrown. I mean, it didn't come straight down the middle. It was it was almost like a, a mixture of the, the cross, the overhand, and the hook. The way it came, it yes. just kept tagging Ronda Rousey. Now, that's not to say that Raquel and her team have not studied that over and over and over again. Stopping it is another thing. And I'm sure that uh, the way Nunes competes, and if it goes down to the ground, oh well. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, Amanda is something else. My heart will always say Pennington, well, but my head. A my significant head, percentage Nunes. of Nunes' strikes come on the ground, and they're really, really accurate <laughs> when she throws them. I loved how when Nunes faced Tate, Tate would go for the takedown, and Nunes would immediately separate and then start throwing strikes. She didn't give Tate any room to adjust, to breathe, anything like that. Nunez uses her reach so well, keeps her opponents to the end of her punches. Uh, regardless of, of her distance or pace, she'll, she'll move out and do that, and she retains all that power. It is very Cyborg-esque, the way that uh, Cyborg's striking has uh, turned into in recent years. Nunez is also really awesome at capitalizing on vulnerabilities, like bad stances, lazy leg kicks. I think it was Sarah McMahon, especially, who threw that lazy leg kick and did didn't pivot quick enough and man Nunez just jumped all over it. She keeps her hips back, doesn't put herself at risk at the end of her strikes as well. That's really great. So you'll see her lean in a little bit, but her hips are back and then she uses all that arm length that she has. It was just really really good. I, and you know, there there were all these questions about Nunez's cardio and you can argue that Valentina Shevchenko won their fight. You definitely can. Second, I, oh yeah. I don't know that at the end of that first fight it was as much Nunez slowing down as it was Shevchenko turning the heat up because that's that's her game. But I think Nunez's match was Valentina Shevchenko. I do not think it will be Raquel Pennington. I don't know who it will be at 135 pounds on the, in the foreseeable future. But right now, uh, at everything I'm looking at, it's looking like we're going to have quite the reign for Amanda Nunez. I, I, I see a finisher. Like, I really see a finisher. I think it's uh, two rounds. Um, heck, it'd be so cool if, if if we could talk that Raquel Pennington is the new Bantamweight champion. Yeah. But 
you know. And speaking of bantamweight champions, with with Sarah Kaufman now the champion over in Invicta, what does that say about Invicta's bantamweight division when a former UFC fighter who basically was released from the roster is now their champion? Um, it just goes to show you when the UFC's divisions actually have depth, it means something. Yeah, I think Kaufman is legitimately still the top five women's bantamweight fighter. But I what do. does it say? Get back in here, right? Like. And, and tough. so many of the women's bantamweight, like Jermaine Durandamy, she's not fighting. She should be at 145, probably. Holly Holm is a 145. Or Caitlin Vieira, she might jump up to 145 for all we know. She is a big, big bantamweight. Other than Caitlin Vieira, there's not a lot on the horizon right now. Juliana Pena lost her last fight. Aspen Ladd ain't ready, and she's number nine. Who else you got? Marion Renault, maybe? Maybe. Uh, she needs she, a bit more. She's, she's awesome. She's a great story, yeah. but she needs a bit more. Yeah, well, she's fighting Kat Zingano. She mops the floor with uh, Kat Zingano. Then I, I think that Marion Renault is probably ready for a title shot because she should have beat Betch Cohea and she beat Sarah McMahon via submission. But we'll see how that goes. We also have uh, on the show, we'll, we'll work our way back up to the co-main event, but Vitor Belfort, Leoto Machida. My first question is, why the hell aren't they just doing this at 205, first off? Vitor's last fight, allegedly, there ain't a damn person in the world who really believes that Lyoto Machida beat Eric Anders. That, that was a, a terrible decision. I would have just made it easier for all involved and done it at 205 pounds, but that's just me thinking. Yeah, no, I, I would love to see the 205. I also think it's a super cool fight because looking at it right now, I, I mean, thinking of the vintageness that both of these fighters, especially Vitor, brings uh, to this fight here, and Leoto Machida being a former champion. Vitor's had the title uh, before, um, albeit strangely, uh, with the Randy Couture fight. But at the same time, these are legends. Yeah. Like it or not, they're legends. And... I'm looking at the fight right now thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. This is going to be cool. But when it actually goes down on Saturday, I'm going to be like, whoa. I've been to so many of their fights in person. I would love to watch this one here because, I mean, will this be Vitor's last fight? No. Um, Leona Machida is <laughs> almost pretty much done. So what Might not be mean? Vitor's last fight in May. Yeah. He might right? fight again this month. So I'm looking forward to it, although it's tough to say because Vitor has been pacing himself a lot in his last two or three fights, pacing himself a little too much, and Machida's a counterfighter. That's the Will irony we have of both of these guys, fight? Joe, that What's when that? they are aggressive, these two guys are both dangerous at any age. Yeah, And now there are some, some exceptions, like Leota Machida running into people's hand, like which he's going to do on Saturday, by the way. I Just think he is, too. I think the Vitor, well, I think Vitor is going to run his hands into Leona Machida. I think we'll see that Vitor blitz. That's yeah. what I would expect. That became a thing that a lot of coaches were integrating into game plans a couple of years ago. And we even saw Belfort develop as he got older. We didn't really see that out of Machida. The Leoto Machida that we saw first coming into the UFC is largely the same Lyoto Machida that we see right now. I'd like to compare him to Randy Orton in WWE. <laughs> Only Randy Orton is probably more exciting in the ring. With If you're a wrestling fan, that really tells you something. Because Lyoto Machida is so boring to watch. I do not appreciate his technique. I do not appreciate his ability. I do not appreciate his style. I don't. There were, there were a lot of people, you know, the MMA hipsters for a long time. You don't appreciate real MMA if you... If you don't like Leoto Bachita, uh, pardon me, piss off, mate. I sure as hell do appreciate real MMA. I just don't like watching 
Leota Machida. I don't like watching Rashad Evans either. It's just the way I feel. Uh, Vitor Belfort, the hand speed is still there, but at some point that's going to go away. His diminished hand speed is still a lot faster than most middleweights, which is also saying something. I have uh, Vitor Belfort winning this. I, I think and I hope that he will want to go out in impressive fashion, also with an extra 50K, I would think. Oh uh, yeah, and that probably leads him to taking another fight. Yeah, exactly. He just made some more money. For those uh, paying attention to what Sean was saying about the blitz, uh, Diego Nunes was a fighter that used to love the, the blitz, and he tried to do it uh, against Yusuke Yachi at Ryzen. And it's crazy when it doesn't work. Yes, when you connect or when you don't connect, and you do the blitz at an older age, and it doesn't work. Holy mind games. So you oh, yeah. would hope that Vitor Belfort, if he does try and blitz, which I think he will, like you said, if it doesn't work, you know, then does he really have to pace himself? Because you think that gas tank, as you get older, if you're not pacing yourself, your gas tank is much smaller. So it'd be interesting to see how it's all going to work. But uh, I think Sean's bang on. We're, we're going to see a blitz uh, on Saturday, and I don't know. I don't believe Machida. The cool thing, Sean is if we do see the blitz, and after six or seven punches, at the end you see Machida step off and finish Belfort. How cool would that finish be? That would right? be very cool. So, uh, Also, Vitor has a very underrated sprawl. He's a Carlson Gracie black belt. Worth remembering as well. We have uh, Mackenzie Dern against Amanda Cooper. Amanda Cooper said that she doesn't think that Mackenzie Dern's wrestling is strong enough to, to battle her. What do you make of that statement in particular? You all can see that interview with Amanda Cooper over at FightfulMMA.com. We do know that Mackenzie Dern's ground game is exceptional. Is exceptional. Uh, it can be smothering. However, you know, she just earned a split decision win over Ashley Yoder. Ah. A 5-3 and three Ashley Yoder. That ah, shouldn't have been a split decision. Shouldn't have been a split Sorry. decision, but still, this is a woman who was... They they gave this fight as a oh you want to you still want to be in the UFC where you're going to fight Mackenzie Dern type of fight. Mackenzie Dern's striking could be described as clunky <laughs> at best. It's a That's lot of nice. this. Yeah, a lot of your shoulders moving and your hands come out. That's awesome. It is a lot of what I would coach my female students in kickboxing class to not do. I would tell them, hands up, elbows in. <laughs> Don't get me started right on striking, back, Sean. Don't but, get me st- started, but go ahead. Sorry. She was invited to leave the MMA lab by a coach there. What does that tell you? Houston, we got a problem. We have an attitude problem. Uh, potential, excuse me, potential attitude problem. Well, I, uh, I will tell you this. Yeah. She refused to do any interviews that weren't scheduled by the UFC. As I mentioned, you don't hear a lot of people rejecting uh, James Lynch for interviews, but her management is, said as much. So there's a little yeah. inside baseball for yins. Uh, there's a lot of dumbasses out there, and I can attest to being in this industry for 20 years. There are jerks for fighters, bigger jerks for management. And the combination of cluelessness that some of these people bring to the table, ah, that yeah. scheduled by the UFC? Okay. Good luck with that. Well, that's why that. uh, you know James Lynch knocks it out of the park with his interviews. That's why we got guys like Kevin Lee, Colby Covington, 
Wonderboy Thompson foaming at the mouth for the opportunity to be interviewed by James Lynch multiple times in a month. Uh, Mackenzie Dern's going to win this fight, probably by decision, I think. Uh, if I were Amanda Cooper, I would have just focused on striking for this. Nothing but striking. If it goes take down, to the ground, strike, take down defense, striking, yeah, take down defense, striking, or get back up, get back up, get back up, get back up. That's it. Yep. John Lineker, Brian Kelleher. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Brian Kelleher won three of four in the UFC. His one loss is to Marlon Vera. He is fresh off of a win over Henan Barral. Pretty quick turnaround. We're talking like nine weeks, that turnaround, if even that. John Lineker hasn't really lived up to his big, hard-hitting, violent, knock-em-dead reputation over the last, I would say, four years. He's got one knockout in that time. It was to uh, Michael McDonald. First off, do you think the weight-cutting issues are behind him? This is two straight fights that he has not missed weight in, but, I mean, he does do that. He, he'll he make weight a couple times, then he'll miss weight, then he may, you know, that's that's his pattern. He he did that. He, he missed weight in his first UFC fight, made it twice, missed it twice, made it twice, missed it, made it three times, missed it, now he's made it two times again. And you want me to answer the question of, do you think he's figured it out? Get out your goddamn Magic 8-Ball, Joe. <laughs> It'll answer the question as well as any. Uh, I don't think he's figured it out. Yeah, I don't. Know. I hope he does. Uh, I, I mean, while you were, you know, I'm listening in one ear, eyes focused on the card. Can you point to a, uh, a more better candidate than fight of the night or performance of the night? I mean, Jack yeah. Herman's and Thialis Latis is going to make me a very, very happy person. Uh, I know that's on Fight Pass, but uh, other than that, I look at this fight and think to myself, bombs away. I mean, Kelleher even said it earlier in the show. Yes. I could be afraid of this dude. So, well, I mean, I think, be, I think but... that he's going to try to wrestle Lineker yeah. for, sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, he said as much. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, Kelleher is coming off a of fight of the night over Damian Stasiak and a great performance over Henan Barrow. He had a performance of the night over Yuri Alcantara. He is an exciting fighter when there's a willing participant. John Lineker's a willing participant. Call me crazy. I'm going with Kelleher here. I'm not calling you crazy. Nope. I think Kelleher's really good. I ah, man, yeah, he's damn good. Um, what are the odds right now? We don't have an odd sponsor, so I'm not going to put them over. But Kelleher's a plus two hundred three. Uh, Mackenzie Dern's a minus two twenty five. Cooper's a plus one ninety. I have people in the chat saying that Dern's accent is fake. No, her parents are. Her Brazilian, they she's been around them a lot more lately. That's just what it is. Your your accent eventually develops into the type of people you're around. If I had moved to Canada, I would probably develop more a? Canadian accent. A the more I was around them, that's just that's just how it is, man. Lineker's a heavy favorite, minus yes, two forty five. All right. Um, by the way, Amanda Nunes is a minus one thousand. On some boards. I see yeah. her as a minus 950, and Pennington is a plus 650. 650. I put a little coin on that just to do it. That's one of those where it's like, ah, it is still high-level MMA odds makers. What? Well, not the odds well, makers. Well, Machida's a minus 270, Sean. Vitor's a plus 260. I'm taking that all day. All right. I am Cha-ching. taking that all day. Yeah. So um, you're saying Kelleher. I'm going to lean towards Lineker. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but uh, a Florida native going back to Brazil. Out. Yeah, you know, Florida native going back to Brazil. He's gonna have some good times, good fun. Just don't eat like a pig, and you're fine. The only prelim that I'm particularly interested in is Alexi Olenek, Junior Albini. We have an exclusive interview with Alexi Olenek at FightfulMMA.com. Of course, you, know, you do have Talis Latest, but this isn't Talis Latest of 2015, who had a career resurgence. Uh, Sean Strickland's good, so I'll, I'll watch that. Uh, Dos Santos is also very good. So that that's a good fight, and Dos Santos has been delivering with regularity. He's been, he's been having great fights. Uh, Cesar Ferreira... He's won four or five, I think, but nothing else on that prelim show really stands out to me. At least not like that Chicago show. My God, that that, yeah, that was awesome. loaded. But yeah. we do have the co-main event. Jacare Souza, Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum says he has unfinished business at Welterweight. I don't know, man. And and here we go. We've got Kelvin Gastelum trying to really make his impression felt on this division because you know, a win over Tim Kennedy is fine, but Tim Kennedy's gone. Vitor Belfort, that fight got overturned. It shouldn't have been overturned. That stupid. But Vitor Belfort's on his way out. Chris Weidman beat him. He's beating Michael Bisping, too. But Michael Bisping is also on his way out the door. Jacare Souza might, for all we know, by the end of the year, he might be on his way out the door, too. He's, he's an old guy, but... This win would easily be his biggest if Kelvin Gaslam was able to pull it off in my estimation. It'd be the biggest win of his career guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking at Jacare Souza still as a force in this division. I, I don't think Kelvin Gaslam, um, not saying he doesn't have the, the, the chops to make him pay, but I think I, I will never doubt Jacare ever. I know that Robert Whitaker uh, has proven me wrong. Uh, and, and, you know, Jacare is, is a bad man. And, and the guys that he's lost to in this division are Luke Rockhold, Yuel Romero, and Robert Whitaker. How about the people that he's lost to just in general? Uh, because Gegard Musashi is the other one. Yeah, and, but that uh, was a dream, and that was an upkick. I so. think Patino in his debut he lost to. And Patino was, was good back in the day, like in the 90s, but still. <laughs> but, but he eventually had a loss against Musashi, right? Taking out Belfort, yeah. taking out Boach, taking out Brunson. Right, so he, and he's put on really great fights. Like I said, three of his last four performance of the nights too. Jacare loves to steal the base of his opponent, leaps his body forwards when he when he feels their balance going. One of my favorite things is his, his top game. He transitions from one side to the other really, really well. He'll distract you with the knee across the sternum, across the belly, whatever it is, to open up punches. And when he punches you. It opens up your arm. It opens up your arm for a double wrist lock or a Kimura. It opens up your arm to get arm triangled. Or it opens up your arm for him to clear it and then slide and take your back. And that's... that's He'll put people to sleep before they even know that a submission is clinched. Like, before they even know it's in. One of my favorite things about his uh, 2014 fight against Musashi was when Musashi was sat, like he was sitting 90 degrees essentially up against the cage... Musashi, uh, well, uh, Souza rather, brought his hips in closer to Musashi's hips to completely control him. Musashi had nothing there, and shortly after, Jacare locked in a submission so tight that the, the ref couldn't even see the tap. Jacare had to tell him. So, oh, and we're talking about a guy who just a few months ago knocked out Derek Brunson in the first round. 
Okay. I mean, that, that's that's an active top 10 UFC middleweight right there. This isn't and like a guy who's, who's on his way out. And he has no intentions of throwing soft punches or fainting punches or soft punches when he lets them go. You know, Jacare throws to, to, to bust your face. He throws to crack your cranium. He, he throws to just destroy your orbital bone. And if you decide to take him down on the ground, okay, right? Like, he's just that fighter. He doesn't care. Let's get this done. And he's just a mercenary. And as long as his head's in it and he's confident, he hasn't lost his confidence, uh, he should be fine. Yeah, I, I mean, Kelvin Gaslam may have a speed advantage, but protect your chin. And if Kelvin over overextends himself, whoop, you get that takedown, right? Or get him up against the cage, and then you work for that takedown, or you work to get the back, either or. Kelvin Gaslam has to use his distance, has to use his speed, can't get too close to, to Jacare. There's no wrestling in this fight for Kelvin Gaslam, other than takedown yeah. defense. Other than takedown defense or getting it back up to the... If you think you're going to take down... He could prove us wrong, but he can, if you think you want to take down Jacare Souza and put Jacare on his back so you can do ground and pound, then your MMA IQ is is woo, terrible. I mean, Sorry. we do see that, that both men have knockout power as recently as at least the last six months. However, I think that more of Gasolum's tools are negated than, than Souza's. So I think that's ultimately where it lies. Enough of what we think. Here's what the pros think. Yeah, I'm really impressed with Kelvin Gastelum, man. That guy's striking is, like, really precise. He's good with angles and moving in and out with striking. Uh, really good counter strikes, too. He'll he'll pop you. He'll be out for your counter, and then he'll come and counter back. So uh, I think he's just on another level with the striking against Jacare, and he just kind of has to avoid that wrestling game and getting taken down into jiu-jitsu, whereas Jacare's, uh that's his strength. So uh, I'll go with Kelvin Gastelum by TKO with strikes in that fight. Uh, Jacare win with Derek Brunson last his fight after he have a I think problem the shoulder and now he's he's back. Uh, it's very very hard to tell me who will win, but I think I think the Kevin Gastelum can win the fight and knock him out to Jacare. Yeah, uh, at this point it's just Kelvin's really getting the experience and maturing into a great fighter. He surprises the hell out of me sometimes, uh, showing up in a big way against big names. And uh, I think he's just really starting to reach the prime of his career. And then you got Jacare, who's getting older, and you never know when all of a sudden he's just going to kind of fall off the edge here. And, uh, you know, we saw it with Anderson Silva and stuff like that. So um, I'm going to go with Kelvin on this one. Man, that's a, that's a very interesting fight. Um, Gastelum has looked... Um, incredible man, um, but Jacare is uh, is a monster, and he um, he started off looking slow and like uninterested in in his last fight, and then he lands a kick, and boom, that's it. You know, he's a he's a he's a freak of nature. Um, yeah, no, it's it's you know some fights are really toss ups, but um, you know like Gaslam has looked amazing. But he's not a real middleweight, and he struggled against Chris Whiteman when he had him on the ground. So I would not be surprised if Jacare submits him, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Gaslam knocks him out. So, you know, that's that's either or for me. So UFC 224 post-show this Saturday night. Tune in to Fightful.com. Before we go, Joe... WWE signed the two remaining four horsewomen of MMA, Marina Shafir 
Jessamine Duke. So now they have all four under contract. I can tell you personally, I've witnessed Jessamine Duke in the wrestling ring. It's very promising. Don't know a damn thing about Marina Shafir. What do you think about this transition? I mean, this there has never been more crossover between the two sides than literally once Fightful has launched. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the real question is, what do you think? Because I think it's really cool. I think it's basically, um, you know, Ronda Rousey saying, I would love to have all four of us here. It could be a great gimmick. It could blah, 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 blah. And I'm assuming under their own research, they realize, you know what? Yeah. I I think Jessamyn Duke was going to get signed no matter what. Had she gotten into pro wrestling not knowing who Ronda Rousey was, I think she would eventually got signed. Marina, I'm not so sure about, but... I mean, she's getting married to one of NXT's top stars. So, But who knows if that connection would have been made. But either way, I think Jessamyn Duke was going to land there. I have been told that uh, NXT and WWE expect them to be in the ring pretty much twice as much as anybody, any of their other recruits are. So they, they expect them to learn, and they expect them to learn quick. So keep an eye out on that, guys. Joe, what do you got going on this week? Same old, same old, man. I'm still trying to recover. I'll be honest with you. Still trying to recover. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, just taking care of some business, taking care of some stuff. Hopefully, have some good news for you guys uh, shortly with some stuff. But other than that, trucking away, man. Just trying to get my body back to normal, man. That's all I'm trying to do. Glad I survived the show. Guys, thank you all so much. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Definitely check out FightfulSelect.com and Fightful.com. Go over there, show our stories some love. If you read one of our stories, just post a comment saying, I agree, or I disagree. Something of that nature. Come into the uh, live coverage on Saturday night. Make your picks. Guys, until next time, follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. We are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.